0: After one game of the 2023 season, Brent Venables has made the West of Everest podcast hosts look like a couple of chumps. OU looked like a well-oiled machine last Saturday in a 73 to nothing win, and even taking into account the level of competition, the Sooners, I think, exceeded expectations in their opening season victory. OU's second game of the season will be much more difficult. SMU is expected to be one of the better group of five teams in college football this year and Rhett Lashley's Mustangs performed quite well in a week one home win over Louisiana Tech SMU's 38 14 victory wasn't even that close as the Mustangs led La Tech 31 to nothing at the half for Sooners fans I still think it's prudent to take a wait-and-see approach despite what we saw in Norman last Saturday in hindsight Game two last year provided us evidence that maybe Oklahoma wasn't as good as we thought they were after game number one. Remember when Oklahoma trailed Kent State 3-0 deep into the second quarter? Oklahoma's offense struggled mightily in the first half against what turned out to be a 5-7 and team from the MAC. And despite OU's 3-0 start to the 2022 season, third down efficiency was an issue against UTEP, and then again against Kent State, going a combined 6-of-20. That was before having a lot of success against Nebraska, but then reverting back to the UTEP and Kent State type OU team against Kansas State when they struggled against the Wildcats. Now, the Sooners were fantastic on third down against Arkansas State just last Saturday, so I will be keeping an eye on how Oklahoma fares on third down against SMU. LaTeX went 5-of-14 last week, Oklahoma – has to be better than that. Oh, and not to mention, this will be a much more difficult game for the OU defense, which that kind of goes without saying. Brent Venables' defense dismantled an offense that we all assume is going to be pretty bad this year. But what if Oklahoma's defense is just a lot better than what we saw last year? What if, just as it looks like maybe Clemson's time as an elite program may be coming to an end, that Brent Venables has already made significant strides to turn Oklahoma's defense into something respectable. Of course, that'd be the best-case scenario, but we will not know that answer this week. Instead, we'll learn how Venables' defense reacts to facing a high-powered offense and a super-confident team hungry for an upset. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Outing that Oklahoma's son with a path there he goes across midfield and another big play for OU Gavin Freeman to the house and we're back with another edition of West of Everest Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson here midweek of week two in college football of course uh Just positive vibes all the way around, stemming from OU's most recent victory. Bigger test, though, coming up. SMU comes into town. A pretty easy win over Louisiana Tech, as I talked about in the opening take. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about Oklahoma's defense, its offense, really the entire team as a whole this Saturday. Grant, you and I watched the game together this past Saturday. I think in a perfect world, we would just spend – Every single game day at that location, the rest of the season because it worked out so well. But uh, unfortunately, that's obviously unrealistic. We will be in separate places this time, uh, but uh, hopefully, Oklahoma plays just as well as it did last Saturday.
1: Yeah, and it's gonna be uh, it's it's gonna be tough to uh, to replicate that. I mean, they this is crazy. I mean, after rewatching the game, it it became that was that was one of the most lopsided games I've ever seen OU play. It was like it wasn't even close like the kind of like the the plays that that Arkansas State got here or there and like the the 40 plus yarder that went a couple of big passing plays and and also kind of the plays that maybe they 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 blew like as in the, the just the passes that they dropped that was all they got that was it it was like it was like five or six plays and everything else was just total domination and i watched I, I watched a lot of football. I I DVR'd pretty much every game from every major program. Watched all of them. OU, you know, outside of I guess Oregon who played an FCS team, um against FBS competition, OU played the cleanest game of anybody out there. And that includes Alabama, that includes Georgia, obviously Ohio State, Michigan, all of those guys. Um those guys put way more probably worrying things on tape than OU did, and I'm kind I'm shocked is probably
0: too strong of a word, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. That's for sure. Well, it's nice to hear that you're a little bit more positive because I mean we were both positive after the game, but I think uh you were you were finding a couple couple nitpicks here and there, but going back and rewatching it sounds like maybe maybe you overreacted a smidge. Uh I, no. I, it wasn't
1: I, I think maybe after last season I'm I'm always looking yeah. for, for anything because and we talked about it. There was it in retrospect, now there were plenty of signs in the first three games last year that maybe all wasn't right, um, and maybe in my head now I'm I'm overcorrecting for that. And so while watching the game on Saturday, maybe I was I was digging for those things because I just, I don't want to be fooled again. I, I I don't want that fool's gold to happen. That sucked last year. That it, you know, thinking that you were so good and then kind of having the the rug you know pulled out from under you. That wasn't great. I would have much preferred them just to suck right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, because we didn't have that two seasons ago. Because in 21, that first game win over Tulane was just pull your hair out. I mean, it was. I mean, there a couple of things go the wrong way. OU loses that game in week one, and they had like a three or four touchdown lead at halftime. And so right off the bat, we were kind of skeptical, or we kind of you know had a one eyebrow raised towards that 21 team, especially considering Spencer Rattler did not look like himself. Uh, but then last year, yeah, for through three games, for the most part, it looked pretty good. And so I think it's totally realistic and totally practical for you to – and I'm kind of the same way. That's, that's why, uh, to be kind of skeptical, that's why I was so impressed with what I saw because it was, like I said in the opening take, it exceeded my expectations by far. And teams that we've known going into seasons are a lot better than this team probably is going to be. Who knows? Who knows? Did not play as well in game one, at least in recent memory. So that's why it was so cool. Granted, it's one game, but man, it was a great start to the
1: season. It's Yeah, and it, it is one game, but when there's other programs out there who had higher expectations in OU this year, just kind of, I don't know, maybe put up mad performances. Ohio State comes to mind. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if we mentioned Texas at all in our postgame pod, but Texas just looked like Texas from last year when they weren't playing OU. Um, just stuff like, which was which is wonderful. I lo- absolutely love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Um, caveat though a-
0: for that uh, caveat. We talked about it off air. Texas did almost beat Bama last year after looking kind of meh in their first game. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Oh, yeah. No, we're not. We're, we're not counting chickens. We, we're still going to
1: have kind of that skeptical attitude going into this week as well. But um, maybe being just, you know, being cautiously optimistic, being cautious but there being more optimism there.
0: And so I, I do want to bring this up real quick before we kind of get to the meat of the show. We talk about Venables and what he talked about, some injury updates, and we get into talking about SMU. Good football team, uh, from what I saw in that first game. The very first thing I said at the start of the show in the opening take is, one game in, Brent Venables made us look like chumps. And he came out, his team was prepared, he was prepared, he coached. I mean, I'm not sure how much coaching he had to do. All the coaching was pregame. And they won the game, and I mean, they were going to win that game. But whatever they did leading up to the game was fantastic, and I just want to acknowledge, good. I would love to come on here every single week, Grant, after every single game, after every week, and say, you know what that that thought of OU being under nine and a half wins that you know, in back in August that was stupid. I'd love every single week. I'd love to say that every single week. Just want to acknowledge that because. I want this team to be really good. I know you do, too, and everyone listening does. So I just wanted to acknowledge it. Yeah, hey, Brent Venables, great job, first game. Jeff Lebby, great job, first game. Sure, Ted Roof, why not? Great job, first game, and the rest of the team. Uh, So let's keep it going into week two. Yeah, it's a great job for everybody. And um, (laughs) I think,
1: but yeah, the funny thing is, I feel like everybody has had the exact same caveat. I've listened to pretty much all the OU podcasts. I've read everything. Everyone has the same caveat of, yeah, it was Arkansas State, and I think we all really feel like they're really bad. But, man, that was about as clean of a, of like a dominating performance as you can really have. And I think one of the things that actually made me feel better, going back that 40-plus that yard pass that they had, that was just, it was just a busted coverage, um, going back and, and watching it over again and realizing that, was, that, that, that play was Billy Bowman's fault, um, makes me feel a lot better that just makes me kind of not really worry that much um, because he's the guy who I think has earned the benefit of it out the most, probably on the defense right now. And if it was, if it was his fault that they kind of had their one sort of head scratching uh, crap moment of the play. I mean, Arkansas state got 25% of their total yards on that play. And uh, I just, yeah, yeah. it just, it just kind of made me feel a lot better. Um, Sort of the things that i I saw while live watching the game that gave me pause on rewatch just it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought. I mean other teams practice too sometimes they're going to make a play and uh, i I would have there and there's things you can say I would have liked them to get the you know get the ball carrier down behind the line of scrimmage more. It kind of seemed like when there were opportunities for that to happen they they took advantage of it every single time though um and yeah, I, I, I do want to say something coming up here from SMU. And I'm just, I, I've realized it too. I was, I was listening to our friend Brady Trantham, his podcast today through the keyhole um, with, uh, with Matt and, and Allen and Peyton. And uh, Brady was just talking about how he's really excited for the SMU game. And while I was listening to it, I was like, just kind of searching my feelings too. And just realizing, yeah, I'm really fired up for this game. Like really fired up for it. I've I've rewatched that SMU game twice now. I feel like I got I got a pretty good sense of who they are, at least based off one game. Um, And yeah, they're they're a good football team. But like I also think it's a really good opportunity for OU to kind of take another step and maybe and play really well against a good team that I think they actually match up
0: really well against. And real quick, you mentioned that play that Billy Bowman busted on, and Brent Venables at his weekly presser a couple days or I guess yesterday referenced that twice uh talked about how you know he like made a bust in the, in the secondary and it was we watched it back as a situation where to me it looked like OU was disguising cover three or I mean they're playing cover three but disguising it as something else and Billy was a deep safety in cover three and for some whatever reason he he got stuck in the mud or I mean I, I don't know like he, It's like he almost took I mean, a false step forward and that was enough I mean, and I, I don't know he was reading the quarterback's eyes the quarterback would have taken him right to the play and he just he didn't get deep. And, and, yeah, you said, I mean, it was a 47-yard gain. You said it was about 25% of Arkansas State's offense, and that's true. I mean, I did the math. You go back. OU only allowed 208 yards of offense, which is really good, obviously. Uh, 4.1 yards per play, which relative to OU the last, I mean, for the last decade is great. Uh, but, you know, like, the way the game played out, I was honestly kind of surprised that it was over four yards per play. I thought it would have been below that. You take away that one play, though – I mean, it, it happened, but let's say that Billy Bowman doesn't bust and he, he reads it and knocks it down. It's incomplete. They punt. OU only allows 3.2 yards per play. So, like, a full, basically a full yard per play difference, which gets you into, like, top 10 after one week in the, in the nation. That's like, so, again, it, the, the play happened, but that's how close they were to having just, like, I mean, not just a, a great day on offense, but, man, the, the defense numbers were just terrific. And that was on a third down too, and so it's a massive cliche. But
1: you're happy that you get out of that. You still win seventy three to nothing. You do have like a you have a nice little teaching moment there. That hopefully, like when Billy Bowman watches that on tape, when the defense watches that on tape, kind of takes that personally a little bit. Just like damn, yeah, yeah, man, we could have held them to like two hundred or hundred and sixty yards of offense. Like that's straight that's straight domination.
0: I mean, even even more, so. they won by seventy three. But you yeah. Know yeah just strangling them and uh but i mean you did say i mean those third down plays big busts on third down are some of the most frustrating defensive moments we see uh, and they're going up against a team that is a much better big play threat than arkansas state and so they're you know is a lot more capable of hitting those so that should uh you know that'll transition us into the week so I think the one of the more interesting newsworthy things everyone was curious about going into the week, obviously, is the injury situation. And so we got some updates, kind of, from Brent Venables on Tuesday. So I, I know he didn't. He didn't like the two main guys, Stoops and McCollum. McCollum. He Venables didn't straight up say whether or not they're going to play. Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. So my basically, what he said about Drake
1: Stoops was that it wasn't that serious i it's like it's like an ac sprain joint it was the same which is the same in, uh, injury that sam bradford had back in 2009 um potentially that's just maybe that's just not that big of a deal for a receiver that is but um but yeah he was saying that drake stoops wanted to go back in the game on saturday whether or not that means that he could have gone if they absolutely needed him i i'm not sure um i took that as drake stoops is more likely than not as is is probably is probable I would guess for Saturday that's that's me I'm not I'm guessing that's me fan guessing um just based off of context um and then I, I think Desan McCullough is a little bit more questionable uh, questionable um they feared a high ankle sprain per Brent Venables it is not a high ankle sprain it's just it's just a, a sprain of some sort and so he he didn't really say anything all, I think all he really said is that it's not serious or long term for Dasan McCullough so I, I would say he's questionable if we see him out there, great. If not, I don't think it's, it should surprise anybody. Um, other than that, he, he did say that Gavin Sachuk and R. Mason Thomas are going to be available on Saturday.
0: Yeah, that was good. And I'm right there with you on Soups and McCullough. The tone, if you just listen to Venables and the way he answered the questions, I got the sense that I, I don't think we're going to see McCullough. I, I, I don't think he'll play. I, I, I just, that's, that's the tone um, I got from it. Uh, And Stoops, yeah, I think he'll suit up. I bet it's one of those things, though, where, like, he'll be available, but I don't know if they're going to really want to play him. I I just – I think these might be a little bit – I mean, not, like, long-term, but I don't know. Like, again, Venables is – he's not really much of a – with the exception of Dylan Gabriel against Texas last year, where it was very much kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? Venables, from my experience, doesn't really play the game of – Will they play? Won't they play? Uh, but anyways, the tone I, this, this from his voice and the way he answered it, I it didn't say, at least for this next game. I don't know. I mean, McCola, I, I I'm not expecting it. Stoops, I'd expect stoops to suit up. Uh but with the caveat, it's great. I mean, if Sachuk and R. Mason Thomas can play, uh, great. And I know that PJ oh god, now I'm already out Bore. I you know, I almost said. And Banasor, <laughs> different, different guy. You should have just let uh, that one go. That would have been good. Yeah. That, <laughs> it's like, that's not the right guy. What I know he played a little it? bit. Yeah. I, I know he played a little bit, and that's one of those five-star guys that we're really excited to see. And uh, kind of disappointed he didn't play more against Arkansas State, but I guess he's been banged up. So. He was. He, he's banged up, yeah. That's what Venable said, that
1: they're still kind of slowly bringing him back. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that means he would have played more if he was fully healthy. I'm not sure. But... um there's kind of some cut ups and stuff like that online, and you, I mean you can see it. He he looked he looks pretty good physically. He looked definitely
0: unique out there. Good, good. All right, so let's get into this this breakdown of SMU OU. And so I let me watch back the game. Uh, you know, up 31 nothing at halftime. Kind of a weird 31 nothing. It shouldn't have been 31 nothing. Probably should have been 24 nothing. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh,
1: it, it was very weird because, and we'll get into this, but uh, man, I, I didn't think SMU's offense played that well.
0: See, I was While wondering I was what you were going to say. Yeah, I was curious what you were going to say as well because I kind of got that sense too. Uh, they, they were very big play reliant, but down to down, not as good as, you, as I would have thought. Um, and look at like their yards per play, under six yards per play. Uh, that, that's not great um latex defense was okay they were pretty aggressive um but uh the the quarterback Preston Stone nice player uh part I get the sense watching him that that he might throw some up for OU's defensive backs that was yeah that was a
1: big there was there was one there was one touchdown he threw at the very end of the first half that was that was a dime it it was it was a really nice throw just accuracy wise he just placed it in the perfect spot on the run but yeah he's Man, he's, he's got the vibe of someone who is going to throw a lot up there like they're playing 100 and they just are going to float up there. He threw a lot of floaters, it felt like. Um, even more, and it's, I, I don't say this lightly, but this, is, this SMU offense is really similar to what OU is running. Really, really similar. And Dylan Gabriel has a much stronger arm than Preston Stone does.
0: Yeah, Stone, I mean, the the announcers were really bragging on Preston Stone's deep ball abilities, and I, I just didn't really, I mean, maybe he's done it. I mean, that was one game, and I, I, I'll i admit I haven't watched a lot of Preston Stone, but in that one particular game, I wasn't coming away from it thinking, man, this guy is just a deep ball maven. Like, no, he was kind of just throwing balls up there, and uh, he had a couple good receivers going get and ball, getting balls. I mean, they they got, some a, good, they got some talented guys.
1: Threw like a 70-yard touchdown pass to Jordan Hudson, which was uh, was opi
0: almost certainly
1: (laughs) but yeah i I agree
0: it was an okay throw and yet it was opi yet the the defender got called for pi (laughs) like yeah it was pretty pretty easy push off in the replay but i guess live action maybe he did it did it enough to where the the refs didn't see it so good on him uh but yeah i i I mean good stone good player he he can move a little bit didn't really move a whole lot against as far as rushing didn't really do a whole lot uh but he's a nice player and certainly somebody that Oklahoma will have to pay attention to and and take very seriously, four star recruit. Um, I mean, and you're not the biggest Tanner Mordecai fan. Neither am I. I mean, it, I I would bet that you're. If Tanner Mordecai was the SMU quarterback, would you feel more confident <laughs> in OU's chances? I mean, that's probably not there. Pro- probably,
1: but. yeah. <laughs> I you get. I mean, Tanner Mordecai stinks. He's he's not good. Um, and and I mean, you know he. His, his debut at Wisconsin. Wisconsin won by three touchdowns. But he was dreadful. He was absolutely dreadful, which should surprise no one. But I do think Preston Stone... I do think Preston Stone, <laughs> I, I think Preston Stone is, um, is an upgrade over Tanner Mordecai. But I, I did not come away... And this is just from watching that one game against LaTeX. I did not come away thinking this guy is a world beater. I did come away thinking he's kind of a gamer. He looks comfortable out there. Um, and and you can't... like And maybe... It was just like the lighting or something or just or just the just this game, but I mean you have to you have to like the, the pedigree He's a four star guy he's a top one hundred and fifty player in the country a couple of recruiting cycles ago, and so uh, maybe there's just something that we didn't see this time around, but yeah, to me, he just seems like a comfortable, decent player with with not a whole lot of physical ability um but we'll see that that was one that that was one game where it did look like he was a pretty good you know steward of the offense but mm-hmm. Man, when you look at his numbers, twenty-three of thirty-seven for two forty eight, that's a lot of attempts to get to two hundred and forty-eight yards. And and I know that he had a sixty-seven yarder and he had like a forty-six yarder, too.
0: Yep. It's a lot that's a lot of your yards on two plays. A lot. So yeah, I mean, down to down, they they weren't very explosive. Uh, and, and they weren't really getting chunks of yards, which I was kind of su- surprised. You know, I saw I saw the score of the game and then just knowing SMU and their pedigree and ret lashley i just kind of figured they'd be moving the ball pretty easily and and they i mean it, it wasn't hard on them but it, it wasn't as good as i kind of expected going into it yeah they just they, they were a little uneven and, and like we're saying all this SMU d- dominated this game. They, d- Louisiana, like they they kicked the crap out of Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and Louisiana Tech's a better football team probably than Arkansas State. I mean, they got a they're they're better. Uh, I mean, a higher season win total preseason. So by the end of this year, I wouldn't. I mean, La Tech's probably gonna be a better football team anyway. Anyway, probably. so SMU I mean, was not, challenged. not by like a lot. I mean, they would play. LaTeX no. La Tech and Arkansas State would pl- would
1: play a competitive game into the fourth quarter in all likelihood. But it. I guess yeah, I was much more impressed by SMU's defense. They didn't really allow anything. They LaTeX did not really gain footing when the game was in doubt ever, like at all. In fact, they kind of like in that first half, SMU's defense straight up bullied Louisiana Tech, I thought.
0: Let's go ahead and table that because I, I want to stick on just kind of go through let's stick on SMU's offense yeah, and, and the defense. Because I because I I I the defense of side of the ball is pretty interesting, I agree. Um I did notice Tendencies. Uh, you mentioned that the offense that SMU's running is kind of similar to OU's, and as far as tempo goes, they have a lot. Of, I mean, they have tempo in their back pocket. So OU's defense, I mean, it's a cliche, right? But they shouldn't be thrown off by the tempo since they practice against us all the time. But another thing I noticed about SMU's offense at times, they have a, they have a lot of Lincoln Riley type principles in their offense. I saw some GT counter. I saw some, uh, you know, trips, you know, throwback uh, like over routes trying to clear out one side of the field. Um, you saw the the drag on third down that Marquise Brown used to always run, and uh, so I mean, there's some there's some OU Lincoln Riley principles to this offense, uh, not necessarily ran anywhere near as good as Lincoln Riley's teams run it, but I thought that was pretty interesting as I was watching it back. Did you notice that as well? I did, I did, yeah, especially the 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 drag
1: route that you catch behind the line of scrimmage and you have the offensive lineman out blocking or the receivers out blocking early. Um, Also notice, I mean, a lot of kind of jet sweeps, a lot of a lot of east and west, which has not been kind to OU's defense in, in, you know, (laughs) in in the most recent years. Really struggling to get like out leveraged, you know, going side to side. Um, that was that was something maybe a a play or two against Arkansas State. I kind of wish that, you know, maybe they would have defended a couple of those better. You know, the plays that went for like five or six yards when I wish, you know, they would have gotten them down. Closer, you're playing a better team, and those can go for longer. So there's going to be a lot of that from SMU, but I also think it's a team that they also really like to take their shots downfield, and a lot of them kind of seem to be pretty longer developing deep down the field routes. And so I think we might see opportunities here for OU's pass rush maybe to get home. Um, there was a lot of lot of talk in this last game about how Arkansas State was just getting the ball out quickly. A lot of seven and eight man protections. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's that's good. And if, if you go back and rewatch the game, the defensive line is winning pretty consistently. Um, but this is going to be a, this is a team where I don't know if you're going to see a lot of you know seven and eight man protections trying to take a shot deep. It's going to be probably a lot of they're trying to spread you out and they're going to they're going to take a shot deep. And so that's going to give you one on ones with your defensive line you against their offensive line. And we'll see. And and that's where that's where I just I I didn't see Preston Stone bring some sort of really dynamic wheels to the to not not that he's not an athlete back there like I'm sure he can get out of some trouble every now and then, Uh, but I don't think he's a guy who's he's a guy who is gonna he's gonna I don't think he's gonna run away from Jaron Canick if that makes sense.
0: No, yeah, right. Like his numbers aren't particularly great, but he's yeah he's not a statue back there. He can move around a little bit, and so talk about kind of what you know you mentioned the potential to see the defensive line get some more chances on maybe some more uh you know longer developing plays that's that's one of the things that we certainly want to see happen we want to see the defensive line uh, if it's not quick you know 2 seconds ball out can the defensive line get some organic pressure against this quarterback this SMU quarterback and on the, the kind of in the same uh you know if defensive line gets pressure if there's long developing pass plays taking shots down the field by the way there's some kind of big sized receivers that go up and try to get jump balls 50 50 balls there's going to be some opportunities from the the safeties and the corners to make some plays I want to see those guys make some plays Woody Washington not the biggest dude I wouldn't be surprised if they try to pick on him a little bit Ginchy Williams could be maybe more of a coming out party for him I know he got a lot of a lot of uh, praise last game didn't really see him get any chances in pass coverage granted not many people did uh you know They'll get uh, Justin Harrington playing that cheetah position. He he might have to run with some of these guys that are bigger. Can he do it? So we're going to get a great challenge. Oklahoma's going to get a great challenge, the defensive line, and also the secondary players. And then who knows if the linebackers like Kanick, uh, or Stutzman's going to have to line up and, and cover guys one-on-one. I mean, OU plays a lot of zones, so it may not happen a whole lot. But that's kind of what I want to see. I want to I see Oklahoma get tested, and I want to see the guys look like they're competent, they turn their heads, they kind of know what's coming, and they look like they know exactly how to defend this SMU offense. Yeah. What do you want to see? Uh,
1: well, I, I was listening to, uh, to Gabe and Teddy's podcast earlier today, and they brought up something that I think is really interesting, another good barometer here. Uh, just with the way that SMU wants to attack you with with deep deep shots down the middle of the field, are are we going to see them try to revive that the three 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 defense with the three safeties? We saw it a little bit. We saw it a little bit in the last game. We saw Desan McCullough and Justin Harrington on the field at the same time with McCullough playing that deep safety role. Um, we saw that in the Nebraska game last year, and it was successful in the Nebraska game. They did a good job. The rest of the season, they they got completely shredded whenever they got into that thing Um, they couldn't they couldn't set the edge they couldn't stop the run they weren't very good stopping the pass anyway so that didn't so that was kind of out the window do we see that again do they have do they have re reborn confidence in this to throw that back out there again with what they feel is kind of like a refreshed personnel room with that, especially on their defensive line, are they much more confident with throwing, you know, Dijon Terry right in the middle of that at 325 pounds, and then putting Bothroyd, who's kind of a bigger body, on the on the edge? Um, we'll see. That's going to be really interesting. Do you do you want to go with that without McCullough, who it looks like was your starting kind of middle safety, in that and that look? Does Peyton Bowen play that position? Uh, we knew that he was. You know, he's been kind of getting looks at at, at Cheetah as well. So I think that's going to be really interesting to find out just kind of what they're what they do in terms of personnel um, against what I think is an SMU offense that's really going to try to spread OU out a lot so um, the
0: thing is I yeah that's a great point and I'd, I'd like to say no unless Brent Venables and Ted Roof and, the, and Todd Bates like they're actually confident that's going to work this time because the main thing last year it couldn't stop the run and Oklahoma was so good against the run against Arkansas State smu averaged over five yards per carry they had a couple good running backs back there they need to be able to stop the run again i forgot to mention that before i mean if they can i mean you guys stop the run every time every game that's like kind of a check that you know it's a it's a box check but they were so good against arkansas state i don't want them to sort of like sacrifice that against smu where la tech i mean they didn't do that and at times la tech defended them pretty well and oklahoma's hopefully got a better defense than louisiana tech i think on tape there could be some of a a blueprint there for brent venables and the guys say okay yeah maybe we do this here here and there you know we saw on third down against arkansas state third and long but is this going to be our base defense on this i'm not saying that that's what teddy was saying but like i i just it was just it was such a bad look last year even against nebraska yeah it worked okay but they still gave up go back and watch that game they still gave up a little bit more than they probably should have against that bad nebraska team so uh, certainly something I hadn't thought of, and I'll definitely be watching for it now that you bring it up here on, on Saturday. And, you know, I mean, how, how often are they going to be able to
1: sub anyway? Because SMU wants to go fast as well, which is going to which is gonna handcuff their ability to sub and get into different packages. So um, sort of the game within the game. And um, I would really love it if we just got all past that and they just came out and just kicked the crap out of them anyway. So we don't have to worry about any of that. That would be great. But um, yeah, I, I think we're... What, what we mostly want to see is we just we want to see another step forward of, of what they did last week and i i think expectations have to change there i mean they're not they're not going to shut out smu that's just not going to happen if they do then ho- oh holy crap then then maybe we can we can start getting excited that's not going to happen but um it, it would be nice just to see that that next step see another piece come you know come into focus whereas i hope this week it, it's the pass rush we saw other things on display last week. It would be really nice if, if, if we got to see that sort of muscle flexed this time around. Um, and I think we'd all be feeling pretty decent. Pretty decent. But, of course, SMU's a good, good team on offense. They practice, too. They could come out and they could bomb away on OU, and it could be just deja vu all over again. That's not what I want to see, though.
0: All right, I'm ready to switch over to the other side of the ball. Are you cashed on OU's defense and SMU's offense? I'm cashed. All right. So the other side of the ball, you brought it up moments ago. It, it It's interesting. I mean, SMU's defense got after it. And I left th- trying to figure out, man, is is Louisiana Tech's offense just really bad? Or is it something where just the offensive line is just really bad? And that's like, like, you know, on the bright side, maybe ever there's some there's some decent other players. Or was it just they got behind early, and then SMU was able to pin their ears back, and so it was. Just, it was a bad script for Louisiana Tech. It's game one, you know. Hank Bachmeyer's the quarterback. He looks awful. Just the former Boise State guy, and so I. I don't know. I mean, because SMU's front seven were so aggressive, getting after it, and it's almost like they were just like, you know what? I don't. I don't even know what my role is, except for just going after the quarterback, and, and it worked. I mean, they got, and so I. I like to think that. Hopefully, there's something there where Oklahoma can take advantage of how aggressive SMU was, and they're certainly a lot better on offense than Louisiana Tech. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, I, what did you think? Because I I couldn't really tell if it's SMU's got a good defense or if it was just mostly Louisiana Tech's offense being bad. It, it could be a little bit
1: of both. I mean, we. I mean, SMU was bad on defense last year, and they they got some new guys in there, but they got a lot of the same guys as well. Um, it it would it'd be hard for me to believe that they've turned a corner that quickly on defense. I, the week before that, that was Louisiana tech second game lead. They, they struggled to score 20 points against FCS Maine in week zero. So like they, I don't even know if they had over 300 yards of offense against Maine in, in the first. So La Tech is, is dreadful on offense. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't even, okay, cool. Good call. So, I, yeah. Even and if you, if you go down there by if, if you go by SP plus in terms of like offensive ranks, they're really close to Arkansas State in that regard. OK, both in the okay. hundreds, both in the hundreds, deep in the 100s. It seems like they only have one guy that uh, what smoke smoke Harris or, guy I've heard and, of before. And yet I'm sitting here trying. It's like I've heard that name before, but I don't know if I've ever seen him play.
0: Well, it it seemed like they were really targeting him, and he was the only player. So, in a way, it made it easier for SMU. Like, oh, this is like the one guy Hank Bachmeyer tries to get the ball to. We'll just take it away. <laughs> they really had nobody else. So, I mean, uh, SMU's defense again. I, I it's going to be a different test against Oklahoma, obviously. Uh, but I give them credit. I mean, they dominated that football game, led thirty-one nothing at halftime, and in the first half. Uh, Lawtech didn't get anywhere near close to scoring. I mean, they, the closest they got was a 50-yard field goal attempt <laughs> that, that missed badly. So, I mean, kudos to Corey Roberson. He's in there. Got a pick six. How about nice his play. Six. That, was a, that was a great play. He batted it, was it down to, himself. By, got to it himself. it. To himself, yeah. It's almost like he had like a string on the ball. I don't know how it stayed up and he was able to... Did you see the replay of that, though, from behind? Even yeah. if Roberson wasn't there... That ball would have been picked off. That was a terrible decision by Bachmeyer. There was nobody open. <laughs> so I
1: mean, I'm sure he I was just, probably in fight or flight mode. He was probably just trying to get rid of it. He's like, oh, crap, I'm about to get –
0: because he was going to get smoked. Because Roberson had, like a, had a straight line to him. I don't think he saw Roberson. He was just staring down that smoke guy, smoke whatever his last name is. And, but he wasn't open. <laughs> he wasn't open. He, there was a guy underneath him. There was a linebacker going back, and there was also a safety over the top yikes okay so yeah Roberson I mean, so looked really well, good on that play I'm
1: still like like you really telling me that he couldn't have helped last year he didn't yeah, just, like know. and maybe maybe it's just a total scheme mismatch but I said dude that guy's better than
0: Jeffrey Johnson he just is that was shocking that Roberson couldn't find his way on the field because I mean he was a, a decent contributor for what two seasons he never
1: yeah he never he never started or anything like that And maybe and maybe it's there's just other things we about him we don't know but yeah, whenever he was in there, you know in the Grinch in the Grinch defense, I always thought he looked good. He looked like he belonged always he looked he looked big in that game last. I mean, he
0: looked <laughs> really big. so yeah I, fast and fast fast too. Speed D baby. so I mean that's that's all I kind of really have. I mean i I guess x's and O's wise, I noticed a lot of cover three, a uh, little bit of two man, a little bit of single high. So, But I'd expect a lot of cover three. They kind of disguise it a lot. Uh, press cover three, press two-man, uh, pretty basic stuff. I mean, every team runs this stuff, That's but that's why I saw a lot. Uh, so how does Oklahoma attack it? I mean, we'll see. Um, they got to be able to run the football. And I guess you just want to see Oklahoma be as crisp as they were last game. And, I mean, SMU is not going to be taken aback by the, the up-tempo stuff because they're used to it as well. Uh, but Oklahoma's going to have to just outmuscle them in the trenches. I mean, SMU's defensive line dominated La Tech's offensive line. If Oklahoma's offensive line plays like they did against Arkansas State, they they control the line of scrimmage. It's a, it's a cliche, but it's true. Oklahoma should be able to move the football, and they're going to have a lot of success in this game. Uh, and, you know, obviously you want to see their receivers have another good game and build off of the performance from Saturday. And, you know, this is – from from what we know right now, SMU's
1: defense should still be very – I mean, it it should be pretty mediocre. It, it really should be this this one performance notwithstanding. Um, if if SMU's defense really is, you know, if they've turned to corner and they're and they're really good, then that's that's not something that's that's easy to foresee at all. There's there's a lot of stats out there that would say that's really really unlikely. Um, I know a lot of the analytical models not to still really like OU to score a lot of points in this game. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's obviously I, I think going to start with the run game. If they if they control the game with the offensive line, then
0: hopefully you can name your score on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm looking back at the, you know, I this podcast we like to talk about the the point spread here and there, and I could have swore on on Saturday. I mean, they both played at 11 a.m. So. I want to say we already had an opening line by late that night. And I want to say, didn't we see something like where OU like opened as like an 18.5-point favorite somewhere? Or did I just totally imagine that? I thought it opened... Yeah, I don't know if... I think
1: I remember you saying something like that. I don't know if that was... I think you may have gotten that from one of your offshore sites, though.
0: Because <laughs> I, I, right now I'm looking and I'm seeing it it opened at like 14. And so, okay, nope, I'm seeing... September, yeah, okay. So I'm seeing one one place has it at 18. So I'm not crazy, but it didn't last long. So, anyways, like I kind of want to get down to it. I mean, what was OU last week? 36 point favorites. 36, yeah. They doubled that, and so that kind of gives you an idea of how much better SMU is in Arkansas State. I mean, it's it's. uh, I mean, money. Some money's come in on OU. I mean, it's it's gone from. Well, depending on if it really. If it really was eighteen at some point, technically some money's come in on SMU. But uh if it opened at fourteen, it's now down to sixteen. I'm seeing fifteen and a half, sixteen. Uh, that's a tough number. I mean, with SMU's offensive number. prowess and with Oklahoma's just kind of—I don't know. I mean, last season though, I mean, they were. Uh, did they cover against Kent State? I don't think they did. Um, no, no. Actually, I think they did. I think they I did. Think they were. Like it's It was nuts because they were able to to come back and, and cover the number after halftime. Obviously, Nebraska was easy. So for the first three games, OU was 3-0, I think, ATS. But uh, anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there. I like talking about the point spread because it, it gives you an idea of the expectation. Uh, but, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, S, um, I said earlier in the show, wait and see, man. I, I don't know if I'd want to lay it with OU. Uh, it's almost like... They were too good last week. Like, yeah, seriously. Uh, and it's
1: I. I think it's it's I think it's healthy to still have a like a good dose of skepticism about this, but still, but still with some excitement because they obviously looked great. I, I'm I'm still over the moon of how good the receivers looked. Like, I, it's it's so funny. It's like the Twilight Zone. The receivers looked great. The running backs didn't really look like they had a lot of oomph. It's so. It's just like, what what other surprises are going to be around the corner? It's going to be. It's so, but. Lee, SP plus has OU as a 20 and a half point favorite in this game. And so maybe that's like if it opened at 14, there's a lot of value there
0: on OU. Well, hey, well, mark this down, Grant. If last Saturday's OU team shows up, (laughs) they're going to cover that number. Let me tell you that. (laughs) I, you know, hot take, but I agree with you.
1: Lee, the, the analytical models after one week, all of a sudden love OU again and have them as the overwhelming favorite in the Big 12. Well, how
0: about that? How about that? Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to – I know, like, before on this podcast years ago, we'd make picks, and we'd, uh, I'm just – I think that's out the window. We don't do that anymore. I, I think – I mean, I'll put this – I think OU's going to win, but it's more just because, like, I want them to win, and they played well. I mean, they should win. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're a better football team than SMU based off of one, one game. Uh, they should win this football game. By how much? I' am not even gonna venture a guess on that one. Sorry.
1: Doing this for six years and like getting to the picks part has like made me think very deeply about just the concept of picking things and and it's it's stupid. If you think about it for more than than like five seconds, it starts to unravel in your head of just how pointless it is. I mean, it's just, it's just hashtag content is what it is. It's just supposed to get a discussion going, but like people actually. People actually like put trust into a lot of people for just like game to game predictions of who's going to win or who's
0: going to cover the spread. They don't know. People can't predict the future. I mean, yes, you're correct. There's a difference though, whenever you're somebody who who puts a lot of time and you have like a system and so I mean that's what sports betters are. They have their own system. And so I think whenever you put a lot of time into it, then you really do feel like I mean, that's how it was, I think maybe for you, but definitely for me. Uh, early when this podcast started, when I had a, I was working in it and I had a lot more time, and I mean I was I was digging through stuff, and so it would it would just pain me whenever I'd be dead wrong about OU because it happened a lot, and that was mostly Lincoln Riley's fault, but also it was my fault for not knowing that, <laughs> and so uh, it took me forever to even re- like recognize, and I still haven't learned my lesson that you know Lincoln Riley struggles to cover big numbers, and I still would lay it, you know, in games like. In 2020, when OU played Kansas State and they got beat straight up, and they were they were laying like you know they were like 28 point favorites or whatever it was. I remember I think that game. Was like, oh yeah, yeah they they'll blow them out, they'll easy you know, and they, they end up losing. So, uh, but whenever like when we're picking other teams that we haven't as much time and investment in, it is dumb because it's like yeah, like, what do we know? Yeah, <laughs> we're just taking an educated guess. A here. lot of the time, it's just a feeling.
1: It's it's just a feeling a lot of the time. And and sometimes, I mean, when you get to like the end of the season, you got enough data points, it's there. Yeah. You can you can make a much more informed decision. Um But everything, I mean, I, I think when you make these pick segments, the only thing that the audience is looking for is just it's just a compelling argument, one way or the other. I, I think is what it is. And so um this is an OU football podcast. I you and I both do not think that OU is gonna lose this game. Could they sure they could. They could the The, the o u team that we saw last year could absolutely lose this game, and so oh my I, I gosh, think we, yes, we need to throw that into the ether so it's not something that is a total a total surprise if it were to happen. I don't think it's going to happen um like what i if you ever ask me what I want to happen in an o u game I'm always going to say the same thing I want them to to kick butt, I want them to go out there and i want to I want them to blow out the opposition that's what I want them to do that's. That's what I want to see happen. There is no exception to that rule whatsoever. Um, what I think is going to happen is probably something a little bit more in the middle. I, I, I think OU is it's, it's going to be one of those games where uh, they hover around that number kind of the entire time. And then they'll probably deliver like the actual kill
0: shot early in the fourth quarter or something like that. I, I really want to see the secondary play well. I, I think they're going to be challenged by these receivers. I'd like, I mean, I know the defensive line, yeah, that's big and everything, but like, I want to see the secondary look like they know what they're doing, look would, competent.
1: Would you be satisfied if Preston Stone put up his, the same, his same passing stat line as last week? Don't, don't, don't think about the touchdowns. If he went 23 of yeah. 37 for 248, would you be happy about
0: that? Yeah. 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 That's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, the three touchdowns wouldn't be great. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's I'm not what's the math on that yards per attempt. Pretty low. Not I mean, good. It's not not good. Not that's great. That's yeah. not an explosive passing game. That's a lot. And, of on, the offensive, passes too. and on the offensive side of the ball, I'm curious. I mean, if Sachuk's a go and he's healthy, obviously, I want to see saw run, run, run. Just and I want to see and, and I want to see Dylan Gabriel play really well again. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, he was he was in command. I want to see that again. Yeah, it,
1: okay. So I'm glad you brought up Sachuk. Loved I'd love to see him unleashed. Love to see him healthy. Um cuz after, after what I saw last week from the OE running backs, it it almost it just cemented it more in my mind that Sachuk's the guy. He's the guy. He's got the extra gear which makes it just agonizing that it doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. So, um man, I I would love to see him because I I think it's going to be clear to everyone else too if he's healthy out there that he's He's clearly the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win. Um and so and and I'd also I'd like to see uh I'd like to see Tawi Walker take another step. I'd like to see him be, yeah. be, be a part of the offense uh some more as well. Because he was he he was the best of the other running backs on Saturday. I think he or he's earned it up to this point. And man, it would be really cool to see uh the Andrell Anthony stuff continue. What if it what if it continues that, yeah, he is he is the go-to guy? Like this guy is man, wouldn't it be great to see just like a like an eight or nine catch, like 200 yard performance from Andrew Anthony, just to get us all really pumped up. What if, like, God. what if, he, what if he, he established himself? He arrives and he says, I'm a number one guy. Big 12, yeah. be, be freaking scared. That
0: would be awesome. So cool. Really haven't seen that since CeeDee Lamb, and that's even including Marvin Mims. He, because I mean, that's mainly a Lincoln Riley thing. I <laughs> didn't throw it to him enough. Or did you know design the plays for? We're gonna it. be stunned when it's actually Stogner
1: who does that. Stogner just comes or, out of nowhere. Thirteen catches, 220, three touchdowns.
0: Well, I mean, I mean that's a it's a funny joke, haha. Uh-huh. I mean, but it's it, more realistic though. It'd be somebody like Pedaway who already has nine grabs. Or you know what? What if it's LV Bunkley Shelton? Man, you know this season to finally break out. You know, it's nice though to actually talk about these these other receivers, and it's not a total joke. I mean, because all these guys got run on Saturday. Like it's not just like a, oh lol like no like i mean all these dudes made plays and like i mean not to mention nick anderson who i love nick anderson i love his body type he looks super athletic i love this high school tape what you know, so and uh, oh by the way Jaden gibson too so. it's
1: funny you mention all these people and it's it's going to be and then farouk's going to go off for 200 and oh two my touchdowns.
0: gosh jaleel farouk how quickly we forget this is when he's at his best whenever we don't think about him Whenever we praise Farouk through the roof, he ends up dropping passes and stuff and fumbling. I mean, I'm based off what we saw
1: on Saturday, he, he, might, he might still be the best available running back that they have. Oh,
0: my. Honestly, how about that for, like, an alternate scenario thing this year? Like, the receiving core actually is really solid. They continue to be consistent. And Jeff Lebby's like, and Brent Venable's like, dude, I, Jaleel. <laughs> like, you want to play running back? <laughs> and it's Jaleel and Gavin Sachuk. And Tawi Walker. Oh yeah, and also Javante Barnes because Javante Barnes is a good player. Or they just or they just run for three
1: fifty a game and they all just they all just, they all just eat. That's not going to happen. I I, I, did, I don't I don't think I saw anything from the uh, from the running game on Saturday that suggests that they're about to turn into the best running team in the country. But they can throw it. They can run good enough, and it looks like they can throw. And that's I would if I had to choose between the two, I'd I'd throw
0: bombs, baby. That's what I want. That's what I want you always want that but the running game does need to be better man only averaging four and a half yards per carry as a team yeesh not great it's a bad team gotta be better it's gotta be better gotta be better
1: and i you know it will be hopefully they they take that personally and man if satchuk gets back there
0: let's go baby let's go guy's good he's good <laughs> all right let's go to the big 12 Talk about some interesting games or non-interesting games. Looking through the slate right now, Grant. Ah, oh, it's a good, it's a good slate. It's a good slate. Not this bad. Week. Yeah, Kansas hosting Illinois. Still not. What's going on with Daniels? I know Jason Bean played quarterback for KU. I don't know if Daniels is going to be bad. I mean, I still think about he's a guy that
1: can't say healthy. Questionable. He's just questionable again. But
0: I mean, they do have like Jason Bean is good. Yeah, Yeah, they got a good backup. Uh, Utah and Baylor. I mean, Baylor all of a sudden reeling after getting run by Texas State. Kind of a... I don't know if it's a squirrely line. Utah... It is. It's fishy as hell. Minus eight. Yeah. I, that is kind of fishy. I mean... I almost had to put this it, one in our picks just because it's so
1: weird. I mean, uh, Blake Shapin is not playing in this game. And he was really good last week. Go look at like his his stat. Like Once he got hurt and he was out, Baylor's chances of coming back were
0: were virtually zero. It just wasn't going to happen. And Utah coming off a, a rather, I, I didn't watch the game that much, but just based off of the scoreboard and kind of like the feel, like kind of a dominant win over Florida. I mean, I think Florida didn't score their, they, they had their one touchdown, not until the second half. Uh, some explosive plays from Utah. This is without their quarterback. So, I, I mean, Utah, yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's like uh, they're going on the road. It's, they're coming off a big win, so they're going to be like coming down from that high. Baylor's in desperation, though. But yeah, they got a backup quarterback, though. So that, That's Interesting one where number. I'm just kind of like... It's Utah minus eight.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like my betting principles tells me just to stay away from that just because it's fishy, but I don't know, man. Like that's I, I, I do think it's maybe like a coin flip that Baylor is just like done. Like they look What if bad. the Big
0: 12 is as bad and the pac ah, 12 is actually pretty good Freak, i love it let's go
1: give me give me a terrible big 12 i want to run through that thing let's go <laughs> i'm not trying to be challenged screw that we're not gonna in 10 years if they're if they, have, if they win the big 12
0: this year we're not gonna we're not gonna remember if the big 12 was good or bad yeah there'll be plenty of challenges next year and the year after that and so on and so forth so uh yeah so yeah utah baylor pretty pretty fishy number there uh troy k-state okay moving on let's see okay byu's hosting southern utah so byu's defense might be okay but their offense not right well they like win 14 to nothing over uh i guess a, a new fbs team sam uh, sam houston state right yeah so sam houston used yeah. to be and i mean they were always a really good fcs team i mean they were always right up there challenging like ndsu for the title uh, but they shut out so uh, byu maybe can play a little defense can't score BYU had
1: like I think three and a half yards per play on offense Ugh. in that game. That's that's oh, it's bad. That that's like you're just not moving it at all
0: with that. <laughs> Oof. Iowa and Iowa State. Is it by rule you have to wager on this game? Is that is that what we're doing here? Too easy. I don't know why I didn't make this. I didn't make this one part of our picks. I probably should have. So this game, I hate this game because I always want Iowa State to win. They never do. I always pick Iowa State. They always lose. Last season I finally pick Iowa. And then that's the year that Iowa State wins. So I I I hate Iowa. I I don't really like Iowa State, but just more of I just don't like Iowa, so I want to see Iowa State win. And they always I don't know. So anyways, I do you, is it back to where I was gonna win this game, Grant? Yeah, I would. I mean, if I,
1: I'm staying far away from this game. I want nothing to do with this game from a betting perspective. Um, do you take I, the over? Just because I, I guess oh, I should have put the, what the number was in here. I, I didn't because because I'm assuming that's that's what most bettors are gonna or not most most like people like degenerate gamblers are gonna are gonna play the number in this one, but like um, I just like. Because we I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast kind of like that the bit with Iowa and how they have to score they have to average twenty five points a game this year Brian Ference gets fired um, <laughs> which of, which is which is a I mean let's like I think it's a little overplayed sometimes like you know, but it's it's an A plus college football like secondary storyline it's that's that doesn't happen like anywhere in any other sport something like it's written into his contract
0: because <laughs> well, normally whenever you can't coach you just get fired but his dad's the head coach and they keep him around. I mean, it's like, but yeah, it's, but is, it's like hilarious it's because
1: he, he, you know, you can always fall back on it. Like ever since he's been there, like Iowa's been terrible on offense, but Iowa's still been good. Like they, they won the big 10 West. No, they as Purdue won it last year, but they won it two years ago. And they were, I think they tied for it with Purdue last year and they just lost the tiebreaker. And so I bring all that up just to say, I'm pretty sure Iowa was up 17 to nothing in the first quarter on Saturday. Only scored one more touchdown the rest of the game. Only scored 24 <laughs> points. How does that happen? Like, I, I like I, I was I, I'm one of those who is just like, okay, actually that incentive structure, that's one of my, like, I thought Iowa winning in the Big Ten West this year was one of the biggest layups from a gambling perspective. You have a Wisconsin team that's going, that's that Wisconsin team. It doesn't matter, whatever. I just thought Iowa was a layup. After last week, no, I don't really think so anymore. How do you score 17 points in the first quarter knowing that you have to score 25 a game for the entire season for your offensive coordinator not to get fired? And and you don't at least – you don't at least double that. Up. You don't at least score another 17 the
0: rest of the game? Hold on. Is it is it not uh, – isn't he needs to score a certain amount of points like to get a raise or something? It's not to actually get fired, right? I thought it was I mean, like it – It was because that would be kind of kind of messed up if it's like no, if you don't score this many
1: points, you will be fired. I mean, I think that's 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 like the context behind it. That's just like the subtext. Like that's okay.
0: Because twenty five points a game is (laughs) kind (laughs) of bad. Yeah, I mean Utah State outgained them. (laughs) They they didn't even reach three hundred yards of total offense. (laughs) I just how what just horrible football. I mean, this that's gonna be.
1: I'm, Iowa State's defense is still good. That game is going to be like almost exactly like it was last year. And if <laughs> if that's the case, then you should probably lean towards Iowa to win the game because if it's just like last year, just go with the coin flip. That Iowa State probably got lucky at the end last year. Just the breaks went their way in a game where both teams just could not do anything.
0: Ugh, God. All right. I will watch every single play that game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cincinnati at Pitt. Any interest in that one?
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll use playing Cincinnati in two weeks. So, yeah. um, and and I'm curious with Cincinnati. They just, I mean, they, um, they're a team that's feeling pretty good. They they were one of the better performing teams in, in the entire country last week. Uh, you know, albeit against an FCS team. But Emory Jones was the Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Week. His his numbers were very impressive. Were very good. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious. That's on the road. Um, if Cincinnati wins that game, I mean you can basically I'm pretty sure they play another FCS team right before OU or like a MAC team actually. I think they play a MAC team. Um and you can pretty much pencil in that Cincinnati is going to be 3 and 0 with OU coming to town and they'll be they'll be pretty pumped up, you would think if that's the case, but um definitely want to see like if if Pitt comes out and, and pounds Cincinnati. I think a lot of us are going to feel a lot better for that game in 2 weeks probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pitt a seven point home favorite cincinnati plays miami of ohio the next game so mac team like you said um, let's see what else we got here in the big 12 slate as my computer starts to slow down what's next i can't see my rundown Sorry. nextly
1: is <clears throat> uh this uh this oh God. these next two we will say for the picks you guys can probably guess which one they are uh are you interested at all in
0: ucf at boise state ucf a three and a half point road favorite well, actually, yeah. I mean, you know, UCF was kind of the the new Big Twelve team that you and I kind of agreed could be kind of frisky this year in the Big Twelve, and Boise State just got absolutely run by Washington. Like, I mean, it was kind of competitive for the first half, and then Zach Penix just threw for like like ten touchdowns or whatever. I mean, just bombing away. So Boise State might be bad, uh, but it's on the road. It's at Boise, and so I mean, you want to lay three and a half on the road up in Boise? I don't know, but interesting matchup and definitely want to see where UCF is here in a game where now they're favored. I guess, I guess they're a favorite last game, but they play who they play like Kent State. Kent State. They're and good. They, they had over 700
1: them. yards of offense, but um, yeah. there are and, and this will change. It always does. But Kent State definitely in the running for for worst FBS team in the country this year. Just uh, they, they like lost their entire team <laughs> 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 like their like their entire coaching staff followed followed Dion to Colorado and all of their all of their players left. So um, but yeah, UCF was was really impressive. They did what they were supposed to do against an overmatched team, and now they got to go on the road to play what is historically right—a really tough place to play. So that's yeah. that's like that—that's part of a six a six p.m. slate, a six and six thirty slate in college football. This
0: that is just loaded, absolutely loaded. What a weird start time for a game in Boise. Six o'clock? Why would that's a four I mean, p.m. That's a four p.m. start there. That is odd. I mean, that should be a yeah that should be a night you know eight nine o'clock yeah, at night. TV for you, yeah. Uh,
1: that's, a my, good, that's a juicy my matchup though. That's a, that's a really good what used to be a, you know a G five matchup, but yep. yep, really interesting. You kind of got you got two two very different regions of the country represented there, which is one of the things that makes college football so beautiful.
0: My uh, Houston. Over, I think their win total was like five, four and a half or five. Great start to the year. Getting that W over uh, UTSA, right? U, U, like UTSA. So uh, Houston on the road at Rice. And you know that, that should be win number two for Houston. They should improve to 2-0. and oh. They're laying Man, only, 10 on the road.
1: Only being 10-point favorites over Rice, though. Yeesh.
0: <laughs> I mean, if it was at Houston, it'd be like, you know, they'd be favored by probably two touchdowns at least. That's something.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, Nichols and TCU, no one cares about that. Lee, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, the Fighting Gundies of Oklahoma State travel to Arizona State for some Pac-12 RIP in three months after dark. 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time kick. Oklahoma State's a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They scratch and clawed for a victory over, was it Central Arkansas last week? And, yes. Lee, Oklahoma
0: State might be bad. Your thoughts. Well, I'm seeing now it's down to three. And you know what? I definitely wouldn't want to lay three and a half on the road. But I'd think about laying the three. But more likely than not, that's a stay away. I, these, are, these two teams are, are not good. But at the same time, made this point a couple shows ago. When Mike Gundy and, and Oklahoma State's kind of an afterthought, it seems like what they, they play some of their better football. And I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and get a good defensive performance because Arizona State they can't move the ball very well and they improved to two and zero they win by it they win by a touchdown I mean uh, but at the same time yeah this Oklahoma State team might be bad man and that schedule
1: their schedule is that I think they're like they're playing like the weakest Big Twelve schedule in living memory I mean it is they get. I'm trying to think. I got to think. I think they miss. They don't play. Who They don't play Texas. They don't play. I got it in front of me. Yeah.
0: Just read it off. Can you just read it off? It is like. All right. At Arizona State. Home against South Alabama. At Iowa State. By week. Home against K-State. And that is on a. I think that, that might be like a Friday game or something. Because because their next game is not until like 8 days later. So K-State might be on a Friday night, October the 6th. Interesting. Uh unless, okay, anyways. Next game home against Kansas. But it's not it's not your old Kansas. It's decent Kansas. Uh on the road against West Virginia. They hung with Penn State for a little bit, you know? You no. Know? Uh then back home against Cincinnati. Then home against OU. So no bye before Bedlam for Osu. I'm not sure if OU has one. After Bedlam, they are at UCF, so they get to go down to Orlando in November. So that's kind of fun. Uh, then they're at Houston, and then finally, last game of the year, they are home against BYU. Okay, I thought I, I thought they had
1: Baylor in there, which was going to be interesting. Like seeing as that Baylor might suck now, but I don't know. It's like now I listen to that that schedule I'm like "Eh, maybe it's not as easy as I thought but I think that's probably more of a reflection on what I think of Oklahoma State
0: I mean it's it's still not not particularly difficult I mean they miss Texas Uh, I mean they get OU and K-State and outside of let's see I guess in the Big 12 they get Texas OU and K-State they they miss
1: Texas Tech but I I think right now it's a pretty good bet that OU Texas and K-State are probably the three best teams in the conference
0: well, they, yeah, they missed after Texas one Tech. They after also missed after T-
1: one week, we would have said OU was the best team in the conference after three weeks last week, last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Texas Tech. They missed Texas Tech. They also missed TCU. And, I mean, TCU still could be a good football team. I mean, they just got beat by Colorado. I hope everyone sucks. I hope they're all bad, except for OU. Obviously. <laughs> uh, let's get to the picks. Last week, uh, not great for you and a little bit better for me, but still not great. You went one and four. Who's your one win? Do you remember? Uh, we both got, um,
1: wait, no, I got Florida state. That was the only one I got. You got, yeah, cause I was on LSU. Yep. You got, uh, you got Utah
0: and I think you picked North Carolina. Uh, I was going to look it up. I'm, I'm pretty sure I picked South Carolina. So I, there's yeah, now that I'm,
1: now that I'm thinking about it, I think you did too. There was another one in there. Obviously there was another one in there.
0: I, I'll yeah, find yeah, it. Just yeah, yeah my to go back, back and look at, at it
1: again. again.
0: All right. Well, new week. Not a great start to us, but it's a long season. And the first game here we have the pick is all of a sudden, I mean, it's, it's not the most interesting game of the week, but it's up there. <laughs> it's incredibly interesting. Start us off. Lee, the Nebraska Cornhuskers
1: travel to Boulder, Colorado to play the newly freshly minted ranked Colorado Buffaloes Colorado is a three-point home favorite over Nebraska who just got their hearts ripped out again by the Minnesota Golden Gophers last week in a game that they should have won but they did not oh oh the misery for the Nebraska Cornhusker fans Lee I don't know betting models don't really know what to do with Colorado because a lot of them were factoring in you know stats from last year when they were one of the worst teams in all of college football it now appears they could possibly have just the best overall around player in the entire country, Travis Hunter. That guy's awesome. But like, when you actually, just like, isn't it crazy we watch a game last week? We've ne- I've never seen that guy play before. Like, I, I, knew, I knew he was the number two player in the country coming out of high school and that he was like an FCS All-American. I knew all of that. But then you watch him, you watch him
0: for like one quarter in that game. You're like, oh yeah, that guy's the best player on the field. Clearly. Guy's awesome. Well, it helps that he, he never left the field. He's he's out there for offense and defense, so you get to see a lot of them. <laughs> so that I think that helps. I think I recall Grant when he committed on this podcast, you said something like, "Awesome, great, he's going to Jackson State." Like that means that Clemson or Alabama or Georgia can't get him. That's awesome, great. Do you remember that? I do remember that, and I still yeah. it's great if he is if he is like
1: the actually the best all around player in the country, and he's at Colorado. Great,
0: absolutely freaking wonderful. Yeah i agree so but yeah the number it's i mean you got three and a half uh, three on here i think in some place it might be three and a half uh i mean this number has moved so much i think it's we, we were talking
1: this is the most uh they were saying like um this game is close to it's been bet as much already
0: as the nfl game tomorrow night <laughs> well it's it's any smart better i mean I, a lot of books probably have the to take this game off the board in the middle of the Colorado game. I don't know how that works. Because like, over the summer, if I'm reading these articles, Nebraska was an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in this game at Colorado. So imagine if you have a Colorado plus eight-and-a-half ticket in your pocket right now, and now they're laying three, three-and-a-half. I mean, that's a 12, 12 points of value, whatever the math is there. Yeah, 11-and-a-half, 12 points of value. And that's – I mean, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And so just based off of the, the line move of this game, the book tells you if you're getting Nebraska a field goal, even maybe even three and a half, you take Nebraska in this game because that's a huge adjustment. But the thing is, though, with sports, the adjustment could be, could be uh, correct. <laughs> and in a way, you could be getting some value here with Colorado. If their offense is that good and, and maybe Nebraska's defense – it just looked a lot better because Minnesota's offense is very good. Like Colorado only laying a field goal, that actually could be great value. So I think both sides of the coin here, Grant, you could probably argue it and, and you could be like, oh, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Well, I'll just say I'm, I'm taking Nebraska in this game. Um, yeah, so I, am I. <laughs> I, think this is, I think that's the – like I, I, I get it. Like I understand what we saw last week. Um, just This to me just kind of seems like the wise pick. And I, I'll be honest with you. Um this this and like I granted, like I I fully acknowledge that TCU played in the national title last year and Sonny Dykes and his staff, they deserve credit for that. Sonny Dykes historically is not is not a good college football coach. He's just not. He underachieves everywhere he goes. He can't play defense anywhere that he goes. Um Matt Rule is I, I think is going to is probably a much bigger challenge than TCU from an X's and O standpoint. And um hey, man, Colorado has stuff on tape now. And TCU probably had to find, probably was watching a lot of Kent State tape, I would guess, leading up to that game. They are probably watching a lot of Jackson State tape just to see what they are capable of doing. But they didn't necessarily know what Colorado was able to do going into that. That's all on, all on tape now. And so we'll, uh, we'll see. But like, there's a part of me, too, who's like, man, I hope Colorado keeps it rolling because I'm pretty sure that USC rolls into town at the end of September, to boulder and you know
0: come on like wouldn't that be great oh yeah i mean, maybe we were just, we were just a, a year like you made this point i think a couple of shows ago you know maybe we were just a, a year too early on the ou like hype train maybe we were just a year too early on the USC's not gonna you know win you know 10 11 games train because i mean you look at USC's schedule and if colorado is viable all of a sudden I mean, we know they can score points, and USC can't play defense, so that's kind of a toss-up just because of that factor of it. Like, there's potentially right now, even though USC's 2-0, and there's like three losses maybe on their schedule as we speak. Maybe even four. Not Maybe, maybe it's just three. But, uh, I mean, Colorado, Utah, um, Washington is on there. And then Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. I mean, Colorado's probably a long shot-ish, but before the season started, that was like an obvious USC win. Now it's like, oh. Maybe Colorado could outscore them. Man, so, I wish
1: Oregon State was on. I wish they had to play Oregon State, too.
0: Yeah, because last year they should have... Man, it was crazy. They, they got lucky to beat them last year. So, okay, we're both going to take Nebraska. Did you say Notre Dame? They got to play Notre Dame, too. Oh, Notre Dame. Holy cow. That's right. Notre that's Dame in was South Bend. Even
1: though- Ooh, that'll be a... That's a, that's that's a game made for 4K TV. Ooh, <laughs> that's going to
0: be pretty. Uh, by the way, last week, the other one I got correct was Houston. I had Houston, and you had UTSA. So, all right, back to this week. So we're both on Nebraska catching three, Nebraska plus three. Let me just double check and just see see if it's – is it still three? Are we, getting, are we getting three and a half now? Let's see. Top 25. I'm looking at – yep, you're right. It's still three. I'm looking at uh, ESPNs. I feel like that goes to three and a half. It'll, it'll, people will hammer Nebraska. It'll go back down to three in, in, a, in no time. I don't know, man. People are, I like, are just, some people
1: just get really caught up, like in momentum and stuff like that. And I think everyone loves the Dion
0: show. They really do. Very public team, no doubt about it. Ole Miss, number 20 Ole Miss on the road, laying a touchdown at Tulane, you know, and this is the, I guess, is this like the, oh, the, a couple of years ago, and OU played Tulane, and they also played Ole Miss, and we were kind of like, "Oh, let's see what Tulane does against Ole Miss." And then Ole Miss just boat raced them when Jeff Levy was the coordinator. Is this like the return game? Probably like two years later. Now they got they got to go down. Ole Miss is playing down at Tulane. I don't know. Pretty this is cool. a tough
1: one, which is why I put it in the uh, in the rundown. This, I, this is a tough number. I, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, like, if you look at these teams purely as numbers. It is tough. And it's at Tulane. They're actually playing it on campus, too. Ooh. Well, as long but as there's no it's, hurricane. It's, man, it's pretty easy for me to like be pretty easy for me to see um Ole Miss just kind of blitzing them too. Like not blitzing them a lot, like blitzes on defense. I mean like blitz like as in like a blitzkrieg. Uh <laughs> there's your there's there's your World War Two reference for the week.
0: ESPN's saying seven and a half now, with the hook. But uh, either way, I am uh, going to take Ole Miss because I think uh, Tulane, to, the, to its credit, they covered last week against South Alabama. I kind of thought they were a little expensive because coming off the bowl win over USC, maybe I—I I don't know. Like Ole Miss should be able to cover a touchdown, so. I'm still kind of banking on the fact that Tulane might be a little bit overpriced, as in like, oh, Tulane, they're fun, so maybe this number should be actually more like ten or eleven on the road. So I think there's a little bit of value in Ole Miss. I'll take Ole Miss. Man, this
1: is tough because this one is right at, um, yeah, this one's right at SP plus. SP plus is Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite. Has them winning thirty three to twenty six. I'll also go with Ole Miss. I kind of, I just, I Tulane. I, I think Michael Pratt's a really good player. Um, I he's really good college quarterback. Um, but I don't know. That just kind of Tulane just still just kind of seems like a, a Swiss cheese defense. And if if Ole Miss actually shows up and is prepared, they should kind of go through them pretty easily. I feel like.
0: It opened at six and a half, so. That's an easy hammer old Miss. No, no, no surprise it's gone up to seven. Um, and I think, if anything, it'll, it'll keep going up I mean, or maybe kind of settle around seven, seven and a half. Next game, number 23, Texas A&M. So A&M is back in the top 25 after I think they were, they were unranked to start the year, which is kind of rare for A&M. Usually they're kind of just penciled in there. Uh, they're on the road laying four and a half at Miami. And so this is kind of our fun matchup. Jimbo Fisher, Mario Cristobal, two coaches that I, I'm not the I, I don't mind Jimbo Fisher. I think he's OK. He's got a national title to his resume, which is big time. But it's just his offense is always like, what are you doing, man? Uh, and we both think Mario Cristobal is kind of a joke. Uh, laying four and a half kind of in the Vegas zone. I know um, what uh, who's their quarterback? Connor is it? What, Connor is it we- Wegman Wegman Wegman. He's like a five star guy uh now they got bobby petrino there calling plays a&m had a scored a lot of points so it's almost like oh did they figure something out at a&m maybe i mean if a&m did figure something out offensively i laying less than a touchdown even on the road i'm kind of like okay that sounds pretty good to me i think last year a&m won this football game and yeah, covered. this was
1: this game was the week after they got upset by appalachian state oh
0: okay how did Miami do last week? I guess I didn't even check and see. what I they think they, they
1: beat Miami, Ohio. They beat them pretty easily, I think. But um, yeah, it's still I just I'm four and a half. This is a pretty easy A&M pick for me. In fact, if I was if I was in a legal betting state, I'd find I'd find like an alternate line of this and take A&M like minus nine and a half or even 13 and a half.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at Connor Wegman's numbers. Just because I'm curious. Uh, he had like the,
1: I think last week he had like the best. He, he's, he's, he leads in the ESPN
0: QBR metric after one week. He was really good last year. Yeah, week. very good. 18 to 23, not very many yards. I mean, 236, but he had five touchdown passes. Over yeah, 10 yeah, yards good.
1: per attempt is good. Five, I mean, f- five touchdowns is
0: great. So. Yeah, I think I'll follow your lead. I'll go A&M as well. Mainly just because I'm betting against Mario Cristobal, and A&M continues to have a pretty good defense. So I mean, if they kind of figured it out on offense, then I'll I'll kind of roll that dice that they'll go on the road and be able to cover that number. Next up, the game of the week: Texas at Alabama, number eleven Texas at number three Alabama. Crimson Tide at home laying seven. I want to say were they laying? They were pretty big favorites last year. Like at I think they Texas, were du- I think they were double digit favorites. Yeah. 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 I, I, and so now they're at home. This year obviously Bryce Young's not playing. You can make the argument that Alabama's kind of undervalued here at only 7. So I I think based off of that I'll I'll take Bama. I'm going to take Texas, but it is a it's a pure emotional hedge. I want I mean it's
1: yeah. I want Alabama to win that game by as many points as they possibly can. Just take the light I just want it all I just want I want all of the hopes and dreams and expectations just to come crashing down I want them to beat I, w- I want them to beat Texas so badly that Quinn Ewers
0: gets benched <laughs> I mean you can make the argument and it's a good argument that Bama actually this is not just argument this is like a fact if Bama doesn't have Bryce Young they don't win last year against Texas oh I, I mean, think he- that's
1: yeah it's hard to argue anything it's like it's like arguing yeah if OU you had DeMarco Murray they would have beaten Florida it's that this one, that one's probably more of a slam dunk. Your, your, your uh, example is probably more of a slam dunk. But, um, it, you know, from an actual, like, perspective, like a betting perspective, I will say Texas's defense, even against Rice last week, looked really good. Like, as in, they have dudes. Like, they have a lot of really good players. And, um, Ale- like, Jalen Milrow was, was, was really good this past week against Middle Tennessee State. Um, there were times where I saw Alabama's offense kind of glitch out a little bit in the first half. When I was rewatching that game, uh, Milroe got sacked a couple of times, like with free runners. Um, he was he was under pressure like a pretty decent amount of time as well. And Middle Tennessee State, not particularly good. So um, there may there may be some kind of glitchy stuff for Bama there that Texas's defense might be able to take advantage of. But um, if 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 Texas's offense, what we saw last week, if that's who they are. And that's kind of what they showed a lot of last season. I mean, I think they're going to struggle to move it on Alabama, which, and like, I mean, that's a huge surprise to me. I thought I, I bought into the hype. Obviously I, I thought Texas was going to roll into this season and they were going to start, you know, scoring 40 points a game and, and throwing it all over everybody. But if, 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 if they in, in a one game sample size, Quinn Ewers looked like, like the guy in November of
0: last year. You know what? I, I'm looking at the, the box score more from the Bama game. That makes me want to switch my pick over to Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing that. I, I don't know, man. Like, only 420 yards of offense against Middle Tennessee. That's not very good. Uh, Milro didn't seem like he's much of a passer. He could run. Texas knows that, and their defense, like you said, their defense is good, and they played well last year. If they're not going against Bryce Young, a guy that's making his second career start, granted, it's a home game. I think it's a good defense. I actually would rather ha- like that to pocket those seven points. And also with the idea that Texas played him really close last year and Sark was not giving anything away. And they're gonna they're gonna throw the kitchen sink at Alabama, because why not? I mean, do you want to beat Bama? So yeah, actually I switched my pick. I'm a, I'm on Texas. Gosh, we're 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 like the same picks. That's kind of boring. It's all right. sorry, we just got we gotta
1: get it rolling. We both had bad weeks last week. We gotta get it rolling little solidarity here, a little bit of moral support.
0: Next up, really interesting game, really interesting number here. Number 13, Oregon, going to Lubbock. I mean, what a fun matchup. Oregon at Texas Tech. Uh, Oregon laying six and a half, so less than a touchdown, but on the road against Texas Tech, who coming back from Wyoming, stunned by the Cowboys. Uh, not at all surprising that Wyoming was able to cover the fourteen. I kind of thought that was a pretty close to a lock. It obviously it was. Man, I. At the same time, though, Oregon under a touchdown. God, this number's tough. Because like you want to, you, you part of you you want to jump on Tech and the bounce back at home home opener, Oregon. Like I get it. I really want a full touchdown though. I really want more than six and a half. So, you know what? This is a, a square pick. Cue the Huey Lewis in the news. I'll go Oregon laying the six and a half.
1: I'm also going to go Oregon just because I think they're probably two touchdowns better than Texas Tech. It's, it's, this is more of me. I, I just think Oregon's good. I, I, think,
0: I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. And this is a big reason why when we were looking over at tech schedule before the season and, and like their win total i think was set at seven seven and a half so like nothing crazy but you know there's some rumors about how like they're the dark horse in the big 12 and you look at their schedule and i just through the first obviously the first two games i figured they'd be you know one and one probably beat wyoming and then lose to oregon well now they might be zero and two uh, and i think through like four games if you look at their schedule it's like at this point they'd be lucky to be two and two through four so yeah i mean they got a lot of work to do no doubt about it, but, uh, and again, maybe the Big 12 just stinks this year. <laughs> go back to the, uh, the same idea with, like, Colorado. wait, oh, right, no, hold on. What was the other game we were talking about? Oh, yeah, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, um, Texas Tech. Well, yeah, we're talking about that one. Anyways, sorry. Well, there's another game where, we're, like, the Big 12, Pac-12 might be bad. I'm crazy. Oh, Baylor, Utah. There we go. How about that? Okay, I mean, so a recap.
1: See. For sure. Yeah. I, gosh, man, we all got the same picks. That is, I don't know if that's ever happened. It probably has. We've done a lot of shows, but that's that's <laughs> pretty done. rare.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just to recap, Grant and I have the same exact picks. We are both taking Nebraska plus three. We are both laying a touchdown with Ole Miss at Tulane. We are both laying the four and a half on the road with Texas A&M against the Hurricanes in Miami. I was on Bama at first, but then I switched my pick to Texas. So we're both on Texas plus the seven in Tuscaloosa. And finally, we are both going to lay the six and a half with Oregon as they play at Texas Tech. OU and SMU, five o'clock in Norman on Saturday. The question is will Lee go? Nobody knows yet. I'm leaning towards probably not. Just because Great. it's. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the edge of your seat it's just like we have to do the podcast that night and if i end up going to the game i won't get back home until probably like 10 o'clock even with it starting at five like doing we're gonna probably won't record till ten 30, 11 i'm like that I'm, sounds horrible might make it an, an executive
1: decision i mean do what you want like you're an adult and if you want to go have fun you should but yeah if, if we're recording the pod after the game man i it, it'd be great if we just go ahead and just start that Man, right, right when the game's over.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I'll have to make the adult decision probably unless something crazy happens between now and Saturday morning. And you're going, so going to be in Cincinnati in two and a half weeks. I'm sure that's going to be just a rage fest. Yeah, yeah. I got offered a ticket, though. You, know, you got offered a ticket to the game, and you know, it's one of those situations where I feel like I got to say yes to things. But the big issue, and this is just us rambling because we're an hour and 20 in and you guys don't care. I got an early morning on Sunday, too. We can't do the podcast on Sunday. Plus, I really wouldn't want to do it anyways because we got NFL football starting on Sunday for the first time this year. It's just exciting. All right. Well, enjoy the game on Saturday. Like uh, you mentioned, Grant and our friend Brady Trantham. Pretty excited for it. I am, too. I am, too. I think Oklahoma's a good football team right now. Uh, still cautiously optimistic, but I'm very encouraged with what I saw and man seeing them up against this team this smu team who's a good football team that's fun and it can i think we're gonna learn a lot yeah i mean this is a team this this is a team that is
1: a i'm not gonna call any shots or this is a team that is a legitimate threat to win the american athletic conference that ou is playing in the non-conference and so that's that's fun that is a that's opportunity is what that is and so um yeah, man, it feels it feels kind of it does. It feels good going into the game and not really being scared, just being excited, but also knowing it's it's a tough opponent. It's gonna be it's gonna be a nice, clean, competitive football game. Bah!
0: Dare I say it kind of has a similar feel to 2008 when a Cincinnati team came into Norman in Week Two that was pretty darn good with Brian Kelly coaching. And Oklahoma won that game, but they gave up a lot of points in a, what ended up being a magical season. Speaking into existence. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Marty Gilliard returned a couple of kicks for touchdowns in that game, though. Sounds right. All right, everyone, enjoy the game on Saturday. We will be back afterwards to hopefully talk about another Oklahoma victory. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.